this episode of Mentor Moments, we are welcomed by Anna Zielinski. Anna is the Director of Programs and Services for Patient Care at the ALS Association St. Louis. All right. Welcome, everyone, to Season 2. Brayton and I are pretty excited to get going. We have a very special guest here today to kick off Season 2, Anna Zielinski. Um, before we jump in, give us a quick, quick overview of, of who you are. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to talk to you guys. Um, I'm Anna Zielinski. I am a graduate of the Rehabilitation Counseling Program. I graduated in 2006. Um, Mike, Dr. Keener, and I started the program at the exact same time. So we've managed to kind of grow up together in the program and, and uh, remain close colleagues and friends over, the, over time. Um, and so I'm happy to be here. I'm a mom. I work full time. I uh, do a little bit of running, <laughs> as we'll talk about through, through, uh, through my story. And I'm just looking forward to talking to you guys and, and talking a bit about me and my story. Yeah, I, I just really love the idea of the story. It fits in with the podcast theme. I think, um, as you'll hear from, from Anna's story, that there's these moments in life, right, that are maybe seemingly small or maybe even big, but they have lasting impact. And so really, let's get into this story, story of life, story of careers. So, Anna, like... <laughs> How did you end up in sort of helping professions? What kind of brought you here? What what what, are, what about those early years? Yeah, you know, when we first were talking about me coming on the show and talking about story and storytelling and, um, you know, how often do we really sit down with somebody and talk about our story or tell our story? And when we do, what is it about the moments that we decide to share when we're telling our story? Like what, what is it that stood out that's like, okay, this was something pivotal that happened to me that caused this next thing to happen, that caused this, this next thing to happen. And I recently interviewed for a job and found that it was during a job interview that this really was telling because I, I told the story. I, I always tell the same story uh, when I talk about work or when I talk about my job or my career and I'll tell it now. Uh, but it's one that all that it's just one of those pivotal moments that I, I really feel is a huge shift in in me uh, uh, looking back. And so I was 19 and I was in college. I think I was a junior in college. Um, and I was working at the a state hospital that helped our habilitation center that helped uh, support people with developmental disabilities. And so it was very, it was a pretty large facility and there were different um, units. And I worked in a unit with group homes um, and I was working in this group home where 10 men lived and, um, you know, they put me through the training and I learned everything I was supposed to do. And I would do this data and keep data on prod programs, but I didn't really understand what that meant. And one day I was sitting, I was alone, the, my coworker had gone for a break and I was reading this gentleman's program and it said that he had, he was to wipe down the kitchen table after meals. That, that was what he was supposed to do and something that was going to help him develop independent living skills. And I read that and I looked at it and I looked over at John was his name. And I said to myself, I was like, I wonder if John could do that. I never expected him to do that before and so I'm like I wonder if he could do that so I was like hey John come over here and he came over and I was I got a wet washcloth and I handed it to him and I was like will you wipe this table off right here where it's kind of messy and he 
did so and then he looked at me with this smile that i i i just it completely lit me up he was so proud and so happy i it was like i was it it was a moment where i felt like this is what i'm meant to do with my life is and over the years i've developed what exactly that meant and when i was 19 i didn't know all i knew is i liked that and i wanted to do that more and so I uh, I started reading all the programs and like actually doing all the programs. I was helping these uh, men and women when I worked in the women's homes um, to develop these independent living skills. And I liked the job so much that when I graduated from college and moved back to um, St. Charles, where I grew up, I started working for the Habilitation Center in St. Charles, but I was a group home manager and I was actually writing those programs. So I would work with the person and work with the team um, and actually help them decide what kinds of skills they wanted to work on. I mean, I'm just getting tingles, right? You know, I've heard this story before, but I, I get that tingles every time you say that, again, you found the potential right, in yourself and in others. And then again, like you said, you didn't necessarily know at the time, but to me, that's sort of like social learning theory, right? You've got some kind of external reward. And so then, or maybe it's like a, a positive drug, right? You kind of, oh, I need, I need more of that. I need more of that. Was that a big moment that really like shifted your paradigm of what disability was and like the scope and of, of it, I suppose? Yes, yes, so much so. And I learned, I learned so much from that, that line of work. I'll tell another story real quick um, that, that speaks to that as well. I, I, um, so I worked with, a, I went one time when I worked at that same job, I went to what was called a vendor demonstration. It was for speech generating devices. So when a person isn't able to use speech because of their disability or for one, other, one reason or another, um, there are these really cool computers that can help speak for them. And so I went to this vendor demonstration and I saw a man there who um, I found out later had cerebral palsy, but he physically looked very much like the people that I worked with who had very significant um, intellectual disabilities. And I saw this gentleman speak through this um, speech device and speak so eloquently and um, show that he had no intellectual disabilities whatsoever. And it was that was another pivotal moment where I thought I recognized a bias that I had created in myself, not knowing. I mean, I, that's all I'd ever been exposed to. People with physical disabilities was people who also had intellectual disabilities. And so in my mind, I just made that correlation. Um, and so I think by opening, I mean, I was willing to see that in myself. But when I saw that, it, it definitely questioned any of those preconceived notions I had created as a teenager, you know, first being exposed to people with disabilities. I guess I have two questions and like, was there something even earlier in your life maybe that maybe your parents recognized or you like that even led you to helping professions? So like what, what, what even made you say, yeah, I want to work in a, in a group home? You know, what, what, what was that? Was that, oh yeah, it's, it's a job, but like, you know, I mean, the typical, I don't want to overgeneralize, right? It, it's not working at a grocery store. It's not working at yeah. a fast food chain, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, there was even something there that was, or I would, I would bet somewhere even earlier on that was sort of saying you, there was a greater, you were finding passion or meaning, you know, even before 19. Yeah, absolutely. You know, when I, when I think back to that and I tell that story, I say, I mean, it was $10 an hour, no benefits, perfect college job, 
didn't have to worry about any of it. I think of it in that way, but you're right. If I dig back even farther, I found once this little book that I had written, I was in elementary school and it was one of those like all about me paper things. And um, one of the pages was, what do I want to be when I grow up? And I wrote in there, I wanted to be a pediatrician and I wanted to volunteer for the Special Olympics when I was in elementary school. I don't even know now, how did I, I didn't even know how I knew what the Special Olympics were. But back then I knew that it was, you know, a way to connect with, um, with people with disabilities. So you're absolutely right. It definitely goes back to moments that I probably don't remember. Yeah, yeah. We'll get you on the Freudian couch. We can go, we can go through that unconscious. And, you know, that's, that's tomorrow's episode maybe. So. But you also mentioned something too that maybe we can tap into a little bit, but sort of as a college student, that job was also right for you just because of sort of, again, maybe even though there wasn't benefits, it sort of fit into your life at that time, right? That that there was, I don't know, was it over? Did you tell me overnights or weekends? Was it obviously not or? No, I just, I did. So what they hired me to do, so they had full-time staff and this uh, habilitation center was in a tiny town in the middle of Missouri, rural Missouri. And the, the facility itself was a huge employer for people that lived in this town. And so the reason they hired young college students like us was to solve a very specific problem. It was to give these folks, these full-time workers where this was their livelihood, a, a little extra help. So I would work like a four hour shift in the evening and then uh, longer shifts on the weekends. Yeah, so there was at least again, so not, uh, obviously it wasn't during school time. So you could go to school and there was that that fit. So so what what's next? So what's the then, you know, what, so, okay, great. You got this taste. What was next in your life? So um, I, I, like I mentioned, I moved back to St. Charles and I worked for the St. Charles Habilitation Center. And I grew into a leader in that role very quickly. I, I was very young. I was 21 when I started working there. And I was supervising people who were much older than me, adults who this was their career. And here I come in as a new supervisor, I've never done this before, um, but I didn't shy away from it. You know, we had to, I, I had a really great boss, a great mentor who, um, you know, taught me how to have hard conversations, how to be a manager, how to help um, help my team and develop a team. And, and I think that came so naturally to me for the same reason that it came so naturally to me when I was working with John. Um, I loved watching people meet their goals, whether that was the staff I was supervising or the people that we were supporting that lived in the facility. Um, I also was a Special Olympics coach for our facility, which I just think is is pretty cool. And it was this was all before I found that paper. I, it was only within the last maybe five years that I found that. So, um, but anyway. So I kind of worked my way up in the state system and ended up being kind of like an assistant manager of the entire facility. And I supervised staff on all three shifts, was responsible for half of the facility, so about five home group homes. And I wanted to pursue my, my graduate degree. And so I actually went to a different counseling program first that was more designed for like a LPC, licensed professional counselor. I did a semester there and I did not feel like it was applicable to people with disabilities. And that was, I knew that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to always work in that field. And so I finished that semester and I took a little, maybe some, another semester off and ended up um, at Maryville for the rehab counseling program. And first day walked in, uh, met you, Dr. Keener, you were there for your first semester teaching and um, 
made good friends with my friend Amy. We, it was before phones, so we had no choice but to sit and talk to each other before class started. Uh, and I think we either said to each other or said when we went home, we met a friend tonight. So anyway, we've uh, we really stayed together. So the time, even the timing of when I, you know, started that program was really sort of meant to be. Um, and so I continued to work and go to school full time, which back then wasn't hard. For some reason in early 20s, you can do that. I don't know, I couldn't imagine doing it now. Um, but I did have to do an internship. And so I could have done my internship at my current job. I had that opportunity. I had the supervisor. I had the hours where I could have done it. Um, but I really saw it as an opportunity to do something different. Um, but it was a big step back. I had, you know, here I was like, an, I was an assistant manager. I really worked my way up in the state system. Um, and so, but I, I had a great conversation with uh, Barb Parker, Dr. Parker, who was the previous uh, director of the rehab counseling program. She was a director at the time and just kind of had a heart to heart about what is this, what would this mean to leave this supervisory role and, and essentially go just be an intern. And it was with the um, Paraquad the Center for Independent Living that covers St. Louis City and St. Louis County. And we had learned all about it throughout the program. And I just felt so drawn to the philosophy. I loved the idea of working side by side with people with disabilities, not just supporting people with disabilities, but being a part of, of the, the culture. Um, because at a Center for Independent Living, 50, at least 51% of the staff and the board have to be people with disabilities. So I really wanted to be a part of that culture. Um, and so I did, I left that state job and, and started doing my internship at Paraquat. So I guess I, I, I wanna ask the question again. So there's something that you're, you're developing this zest for learning or this ability to challenge yourself, to, to break what's easy or, or so like, again, I don't know, you have the benefit now, obviously, of reflection and seeing this maybe in larger themes, but I guess I, I don't know how much I'm aware of this were you in the moment that I, that I don't think I had any idea what I was doing. I don't, which is funny because when I look back at that time in my life, I feel like I was a really scared kid, you know, I, my job at Paraquad was I had, I, I worked as an independent living specialist. And so I would do home visits. And so I would drive around St. Louis city and I grew up in St. Charles. I wasn't, I didn't know the city very well. We didn't have GPS. Like I had my street map, but you know, spiral street map that I would carry around with me. Looking back, I did not feel like I was this brave person that would just drive into a neighborhood that I wasn't familiar with. But I did it. I just, it was like, oh, I guess this is what I'm going to do now, you know, but I'm sure I got some kind of rush out of it. It's the only thing I can think of, even though I really, looking back, I feel like I was the scared little kid. <laughs> well, I'm noticing this like theme of, I mean, these tough decisions, like whenever we tell the story, exactly like Dr. Keener said, like it's easier to, whenever we can reflect on it, say, yeah, I made this decision, but these decisions take time. And right. they, I mean, just, just changing programs, like just changing schools is a thrilling, a kind of difficult decision. So what was, I'd say like, like your, your rock, the, 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 the places or people that helped you make those decisions or anything like that? 
Oh, wow. Um, well, I, as I mentioned, I had an incredible boss, you know, I, I really have, have always had leaders or mentors or people to lean on, to throw ideas around with. My dad is probably my number one, uh, place that I go that I, I, cause I know he'll challenge me. He, so just a quick story about him. He actually worked for the department of mental health. He worked in Jefferson city, uh, for the state department and he did information technology while I was in college. And so he would have to drive around to the various habilitation centers and provide it support. So occasionally he would pick me up and bring me home for the weekends. And so we would have time. I mean, and here I'm this college kid, we didn't talk that much, you know, but it would give us this sort of undivided time. And so maybe during that time, that kind of, uh, I tossed some ideas around with him or something, but he's definitely my, my go-to person along with uh, strong support. And actually shortly before I um, started at Maryville, I met my now husband and he was also an encourager. He was going to graduate school at uh, Washu and Olin School of Business. And so it, it was kind of like, where we were sort of in this next phase of education and, and life together. So, you know, without having you disclose too much, talk more about that sort of the personal side, uh, you know, of you both were modeling each other, you know, both grad school, next phase, sort of, again, maybe that's some societal expectations. You're at a certain age, you start settling down, you start looking for advancement, but just tell us a little bit more of, about sort of the, sort of life outside of work at this time? So uh, my husband and I, okay, so I've always worked hard. From the time I was 15 years old, I've had a job. Besides a year or so in college, I only worked in the summers. But otherwise, I mean, I love work. I absolutely love, love working. Um, but I also love having a really good time. And so my husband and I met uh, when a, a group of friends of our, uh, mutual friends were heading down to Memphis to see a band. Um, the band Widespread Panic, which is kind of a Grateful Dead-esque hippie sort of band that many people go on tour with and follow around. They're old now, but back then they were sprightly. And so just about every weekend they had a concert. And so we, um, that's how we met. We met in Memphis, actually going to a show. He needed a ride. We had an open spot in our car. And so we went and picked him up. And as they say, the rest is history. And so we kind of tell that story that we met in Memphis uh, at a Widespread Panic show. Um, but yeah, so then our weekends, like we worked, both of us worked hard during the week and then really enjoyed our weekends together, um, celebrating music, but we were both fiercely independent. So he lived in Soulard and I lived in St. Charles city. So real, both of us were real close to music and bars and bands. And so we would spend the weekend at each other's place and, um, and, and really have a good time. And we, when we decided to move in together, uh, his roommate bailed on him and we just kind of looked at our but we're so practical and rational we looked at our budgets and we we're like this kind of doesn't make sense that we're not living together it really wasn't like this like life decision it was more like we could just combine you know finances and make this work and it's funny because we still keep our money separate even now that we've been married for almost 16 years uh and we still are very fiercely independent uh, but it was a really exciting time because yeah he was going to graduate school i was no, not very many responsibilities. We loved to work and we loved to have a good time. Um, yeah, it was just a really fun time. Yeah, so it really sounds like, again, like a perfect balance, right? Like, again, you're the, the same things you loved about work, you're, you're finding that same love and excitement and passion with, with you know, the two of you together and, and music and sort of finding adventures, if, if you will, together. Yeah, yep, definitely. 
you talked about running a, a little bit. When did you when did you sort of start finding that in your so life. when I was at, so I, we got married, right? When I was, I think I was only a Paraquad for a few months when we got married, we were engaged before I started there. Um, and then I spent the next eight years at, well, almost eight, seven and a half or so, or eight years at Paraquad. Um, so all my life, a lot of early life things were happening. I got married, had two children, um, did a lot of, or that early twenties, you know, growth, um, during that time at Paraquad. And the same thing happened at Paraquad that happened when I worked for the state. I just moved into these leadership positions. I loved working. I really liked working hard. I loved and still do love managing people, um, supervising a team, working with a team for a common goal. Uh, these are all things that I've always loved. And so, like I said, I, I the same thing sort of happened. And I, I really grew into a leadership role there um, and ended up, I was the director of independent living programs, which to me was like, a, it meant a lot to me that I could be in, in that role. Um, most of the staff with disabilities worked in that in that role. So I was working side by side with people with disabilities, helping them develop their careers, helping myself develop my own career. Um, and then, I, I, you know, it's hard to think of what exactly, I think it was a number of things. I'd been there for so long. And even though I was doing a job that I absolutely loved, I just got this itch. Like I just knew I needed another adventure or I needed something to push me even further. So my kids were in a preschool that had um, an adult day center right next door. And they were hiring for a director at this adult day program. And so I applied and talked to the people that I knew from daycare because my kids had been there for a few years by then for maybe four or five years. I think my oldest was four or five and she put in a good word for me. I was really not what you would picture as the right on paper as the right person for that role. Um, but the, the hiring manager and my then would be supervisor kind of took a chance on me a little bit. Um, and I really, I saw it as an opportunity to grow, to do something new, to do something different, to be next door to my kids, which I mean, what a great, a great opportunity to be so close with them. And so, yeah, I put my notice in at Paraquad, which was, that was, it was a big deal. It was a big deal for me because um, I absolutely loved that job. I've, I love, I've loved every job that I had, you know, I, I don't think I've ever left a job because I was so miserable. <laughs> I couldn't handle it. It was really more for like, growth opportunities and that was what that was about for me yeah so i guess yeah i like to me you know again knowing that we sort of done a little bit of our pre-homework here a little bit so we know we're sort of in my mind you're, you're sort of closing in on like if we break your career down in three phases this is sort of the end of phase one where again you you found your passion you found a right you know, degree program, you, you started again, acknowledging that you love the dual process of, of developing others, whether it's staff and or consumers, individuals with disabilities. Um, you're finding an equally fulfilling life outside of work to sort of complement both, both sides. So, I mean, I, I know you just sort of, again, alluded to, you did it, you sort of, Oh, this might be interesting to do this, but it could, you know, is there is there more of a moment or or again, can you pick out? Yes, this is the right time. 
you know, to, to challenge yourself again or to grow or. You know, I, I never considered myself like a risk taker, like looking back, like when I was, my parents weren't risk takers. I wasn't the risk taker. I was very, seemed like most of my decisions were very, um, pre like I knew it wasn't a lot of vulnerability. It wasn't a lot of risk. Like I knew what was going to happen, but you know, what's funny is when I first had my first child, it was the first time I had no idea what I was doing. No idea what was going to happen. I had no idea if my child was going to be healthy, if, you know, what was going to happen, if I was going to enjoy being a mom, if, if, you know, if, if my relationship with my partner was going to change, like I had no idea. It was the most probably risky and vulnerable thing I'd ever done. And it was exciting. And I, and it really, I, I, it was something that I didn't expect um, and happened all over again when I had my second child. I really think that it, it, it sort of woke something up in me. And I liked that. I liked the idea of not knowing what was going to happen and taking a risk and not having it all and being vulnerable. I liked that feeling. Yes. I mean, I wrote that down earlier when you were talking, there, there's something intimate and vulnerable about sort of sharing our story. And then here again, sort of risk-taking, there's that being vulnerable again. So again, sort of this other, other well, theme. And, you know, you mentioned about running. I, I started running the same time I, I left Paraquat. It all started at the same time. I recognized that I couldn't really keep up very well with my kids. But the thing is, when you start something new like that, you have to be willing to be really bad at it for a little while. And that is vulnerability. I mean, you have to be willing to say, I, this is going to be really ridiculous. I mean, I'm going to run for a minute and feel like I'm going to die and but keep trying. And so I think it all is related. I had the, the, the excitement and the, the bravery, I guess, to, to stretch beyond what I knew was a predicted path. If I stayed at that job that I'd been at for eight years that I really liked, there was this opportunity where it, it did offer potentially, um, better family balance because my kids are going to be right next door. Um, it, I was also just now, you know, starting to run like, and I, it was a, at a community center, a very health oriented organization. And so that was very encouraging, um, to that point, but yeah, it was a making those choices to do something that's unfamiliar is very, very vulnerable. And I kind of got like, I, I get excited about that now. It's scary, um, but it's sort of what they say. It's like where the magic happens, right? When you stretch just beyond what you think you, you might be capable of. Stay tuned for part two of this three-part Mentor Moments series with Anna Zelinsky. As always, we want to thank our friends at the Missouri Rehabilitation Association Eastern Chapter and to our listeners of Mentor Moments. We will see you guys next time.